0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton podcast with me, Greg O'Keefe, and my colleague Patrick Boyland. Loads to get through this week, starting with an eventful night at the Philharmonic on Tuesday for Everton's general meeting. Um, most of the big names associated with the club at board level and, and beyond were there, including Carlo Ancelotti, Bill Kenwright, Marcel Brands, Denise Barrett-Baxendale, but not Farhad Mashiri, the majority investor. Uh, or owner now, I should say. It was a really absorbing night. We were there covering it. Um, I don't know if you saw the updates on the Athletic site, but you may well have read as well Paddy's piece the following day with Matt Slater, um, looking into the innovative way Everton are trying to move forward off the pitch. Paddy, it was like a very interesting evening, wasn't it? Plenty came to the the fore, but particularly, I think people are going to know what I'm going to say now, the the naming rights... um, package that they've or the option on the naming rights deal
1: yeah it, it was very interesting wasn't it and i think sometimes with these things if you're not of a finance background or you're not particularly interested in <laughs> the finances it can be a little bit boring for for want of a better word yeah um but this was anything but boring you, you had the, the headline news about um usm alicia uzmanov's holding company agreeing a purchase option for the stadium naming rights yeah. of, of, of £30 million. You had the big loss, the record loss that the club made. You have Marcel Brands talking very candidly about the players he wants and doesn't want to keep at Everton and how he wants to kind of trim the squad, yeah. the wage bill and and everything else. And you had some kind of quite flowery stuff from, from Bill Kenwright yeah. in, in relation to Carlo Ancelotti and from Carlo, Carlo himself, of course. So yeah. I, I don't remember... Uh, a, a general meeting as interesting as this one yeah and that's why obviously we've had a, an awful lot to get stuck into <laughs> over over the last few days from pieces on the finances and, and and everything else i think there's still more to be written about that because th- 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 there was a, a load of interesting stuff from brands that we'll we'll touch yeah. on later on the football Definitely. side too
0: there was wasn't there. i mean yeah i think th- uh, for, for me the, the news that probably raised eyebrows the most was as you say about the the option on the naming rights deal and I know most people listening will understand what that is but it's probably worth us just clarifying it's not the case that USM have already bought the naming rights for a stadium that doesn't exist rather that they've asked to be effectively first in line when they're ready and for that they've given the club 30 million quid not a bad deal
1: no it's, it's not a bad deal at all you could argue it's not a bad deal for both parties, really, because first of all, Everton get thirty million towards next year's accounts, which, yeah. given financial fair play concerns, is obviously much needed. Yeah. Really, it, it's thirty million extra in the in the coffers yeah. um, that will be put. We believe towards the stadium, the new it's stadium budget, does not That money, it's yeah. r- it's ring fenced that money. Yeah, so so that that's kind of secured. It is effectively a first refusal, and and what that means is um, terms have already been agreed Mm. at 2019-20 prices. Mm. So if and when Everton's new stadium is built in three or four years' time, USM want to buy those stadium naming rights, then they are theirs at that price. The price won't be subject to inflation or anything else, so they'll get a good deal on that. And equally, if... USM, for example, offer Everton fifteen million per annum for those rights. But Coca Cola or JD Sports turn around and offer Everton fifty million, which they absolutely wouldn't, by the way. But just, <laughs> just for example, a lot more money than USM are offering. Everton would still have to take that USM deal if that's what USM wanted. So they're they're in a privileged position as the buyer. It's first refusal and then then some yeah. for for USM. But what it means in the short term is that Everton have greater leeway with regards to passing financial fair play, which obviously was still a concern ahead of this meeting.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know what, aside from the the present day machinations and, and the innovative way they've done this deal, what occurred to me while you were speaking there was how things changed. I think the Kings dock, Everton's originally mooted waterfront stadium, which, you know, I think... The pain of missing out on that for me will finally be um solved when everton move into the bramley Wall. but nevertheless i think that felt fell down over the failure to raise less than this option yeah. for the naming rights <laughs> it just shows you how how prices change and uh and the economies move on but yeah now there's not been a universal we've seen speculation in, in other media today actually as we record on thursday uh, about other clubs not being too happy uh, reportedly not being too happy about this and a bit of a stink of whether or not they'll try and ask the Premier League to look into it. But as far as we understand, Everton are a right to be quite robust in believing that this is a deal that, that stands up to scrutiny, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure, by the way, that certain Premier League clubs won't be happy with this deal. But there's nothing to suggest that it's not within... Premier League rules and, and regulations, and what, what I mean by that is, there's no precedent for this before. It's it's one of a kind. So obviously, there's no provi- provision within the the yeah. rules for this not not yeah. to be allowed, yeah, not not yeah. to yeah. be the case. Um, the the other thing to point out is that Everton are very confident here that they've they've done this the right way. That there's not going to be any pushback. We believe we we've been told, and we understand it from sources that they sought assurances from Premier League officials before doing this deal and concluding this deal. So I would suggest at this moment in time that Premier League clubs can be as angry as they want or as annoyed as they want, but there's very little chance of pushback and Everton have kind of done the, the due diligence there. So, I mean, that, that's a good thing. That can only be a good thing that Everton have, have decided to, to do that due, due diligence. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pretty pleased that, that that's already been done. So hopefully... Very soon We can sweep that one under the carpet. It will obviously have to be reviewed by the Premier League. Most of these deals are that that's what the Premier League promised, that they will go through accounts, club accounts, with a fine tooth, tooth comb every March. Um, so Everton accept that, obviously, Premier League officials will have a look at those details and, mm. and the deal in full. But if they have done the due diligence as is being suggested, then they shouldn't have much to worry about, you you would assume. Yeah,
0: it smacks to me, of maybe je- a touch of jealousy from other clubs who just haven't had the, the innovation or the means to do such a deal. Um, so let's leave that one there. I think you know, it, it, it bodes well. Because, of course, as you said, there was an element of, of Everton's finances, certainly from this latest um, set of books, that wasn't too rosy, was it? We understand they're not, it doesn't put them, at the moment, out of compliance with financial fair play. But um, it's a concern, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the. We have to look at this in in terms of three year cycles, which is that, how how UEFA do it. Is that, that's yeah. how um, the financial fair play laws are, are looked upon. Yeah. So you're only allowed to make a loss of 105 million over three years. Yeah. Now, obviously, Everton for the year 2019 lost 111.8 million. So that that that's quite an eye watering sum. And the year before, they lost something close to, I think it was in, in between 13 and 14 million. Yeah. Yeah. So that immediately put you up at 125, 20 million beyond. A couple of things to point out there. The first is that these accounts were done for a 13 month period. So rough estimations would be that you would shave 12 to 13 million off that sum already. The second is that things can be written off. Certainly, stadium costs can be written off and academy costs. Stadium costs can be written off from the point at which they get planning permission. So if they get that in twenty twenty, they can capitalise those losses and without getting too technical, they can just spread those losses over the entirety of the project rather than putting them in one one yeah, year. They account. go in a
0: separate box on the spreadsheet. So to they speak. do, they, don't, they, do, they go in terms of t- the crucially they don't fall under the, the danger zone for, for financial fair play then. No. Once planning permission, touch what is granted.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that that that's something that Everton have obviously got going for them. Yeah. The one thing to bear in mind here though is that the first year of the accounts, so 2017, there was a 30 million pound profit, largely due to player sales, yeah. player trading, but also a decent run in, in Europe. So Everton are not gonna have that 30 million buffer next year. It's it's kind of why the fact that thirty million is coming in from USM into the accounts is, is is quite a handy quite a handy sum in that regard. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I think assumptions that far um, far is going to be able to give Carlo Ancelotti immediate funds certainly in January and maybe even the summer will, will need to be revised and looked at again. Ancelotti will expect to be back, and we know he has been promised that he will be be back at some point. But I think before that, it's a case of kind of making Everton financially stable and having the backbone almost to do those deals. So that will inevitably have knock-on effects with regards to the squad, trimming yeah. the squad, wages, everything. So the ramifications of this will will continue for quite a long time, I, I, would, I would suggest, and it makes it very interesting moving forward.
0: It does, and Marcel Brands was even more interested in talking about the squad and what he's done so far and what he's yet to do. We'll come to that in a minute. Before that, though, let's just... Let me speak briefly about one of our partners, Stitch Fix. So this podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, you just need to go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic and Stitch Fix is spelled S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X, all one word. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you, from their selection of 100 brands, including established names, up-and-coming designers, and exclusive brands that you won't find elsewhere. Try them on all at home, style them with other items in your wardrobe, and then you can pay for what you want and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you end up paying a charge of a tenner, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. But remember that you try before you buy at home, and this is a really, really interesting point. Delivery and returns are free both ways, so you don't need a subscription to sign up. Stitch Fix again, allows you to save time. They do the shopping for you. And if you're like me, you're really not a massive fan of dragging around shops looking at clothes. You can discover new styles. Your stylist could find great items which you've never picked out when shopping for yourself. I definitely need that. And enjoy top styling tips. The experts there will give you ideas on how to wear the items they pick out for you. We won't get on to French talks this week. I think we uh, well I. That was an education for me sad last enough. week. <laughs> it was an education for
1: me last week. I don't I don't know if you were looking at your um, Twitter mentions this week, but no. one of the responses was about the podcast. Oh, yeah. At least on mine. We were both I, I forget the name of the yeah of the person on Twitter, so apologies if they're listening to this and I've, I've because I have forgotten the name, but it was effectively on the lines of at Paddy Boyler, that Greg O'Keefe. Um Never mind your pieces this week. I'm just looking forward to hearing about French tucks again.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks to whoever picked up on, on that. And uh, I have to confirm, sorry to confirm, neither of us have got French tucks going on as we speak, but th- there's always a new sartorial day tomorrow. <laughs> anyway, you can get started with Stitch Fix today and you can support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. So Marcel Brands, he was—I thought he really spoke well at, yeah. at the general meeting, and um, true to form, from what I know of him and, and, and you know, the time I spent with him, he spoke openly. He spoke—it uh, was a no-nonsense <laughs> sort of performance from the uh, from the front, really, wasn't it? And um, well, you tell us a little bit about how you interpreted what what the director of football was saying.
1: First of all, I, I think you're right in what you say about the speech that he gave, the presentation he, he gave, I should say, I thought it was the most impressive part of the evening in terms of the rigorous attention to detail, mm-hmm. the f- through flow, the well-thought-out structure, just about everything. Yeah. He he completely outlined before us a vision for this Everton squad, not just for now and the, and the January window, but also moving forward. So, I mean, one of the big takeaways for me was they need to streamline the squad but he's got an exact number in his head of how many players he wants he wants 23 players in a squad he considers that to be an optimum number so he kind of you go through by position and he wants a certain amount of goalkeepers a certain amount of defenders and everything else And he held his hands up at some point, didn't he? Yeah. There was a point where he effectively said, "Look, I know I screwed up, and I didn't get that fourth centre back, and we really needed to." This is the failure to replace
0: or either get Kurtzuma permanently or or get an alternative, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah. And there was there were for each position, he gave a rundown of what the summer objectives were. So I I think for for defence, it was sign Kurtzuma or another. And there were a few other things as well when they bring Holgate back, yeah, with and in- integrate him into yeah. the squad. Obviously, on quite a lot of those instances, you could say that Everton was successful and Brands himself was successful, yeah. but they didn't get that centre back in. And in typically Dutch forthright style, Marcel Brands just said, didn't he? I, I look at that's on me. Yeah. I kind of got it wrong, and that, that's refreshing in itself. I think. I think he, so. Yeah, he's, he's done. He's done an awful lot right, and whenever. I speak to anyone, and I, I know you're the same. Just about everything that comes back back is overwhelmingly positive, but it's not a hundred percent record. Didn't he didn't get that centre back. He didn't get Kurtiema. Marcus Rocco didn't come off. Mm. Fakayo Tamori didn't come off. Chris Smalling was another one that they they looked at for a while as yeah. well. So of
0: course, end up going to Roma. He, I
1: and, he, and doing very very well. Am <laughs> yeah. I, I said By the way, Tamori, um, they, they thought a loan was agreed over the summer, and then the fact that David Luiz handed in a transfer request to force through move to Arsenal made Chelsea rethink yeah. in that position. So there is some mitigation, but I thought it was a good presentation. It gives you an indication as to where Everton will go in terms of outgoings, but also maybe in- incomings. And from that perspective, he, he had some quite interesting news, didn't he, with, with, with regards to kind of the positions they're looking for moving he, forward. He to. did,
0: didn't he? Yeah, because I think, w- as as we've all said, not, uh, you know, not not without good reason. When you look at the injuries that have crippled the central midfield, and and you know the fact that Gabamin hadn't barely kicked the ball, and, and arguably our best central midfielder, and Andre Gomez, is, is has been out for a good while, and, and and although it looks now as if he's set to make something of a a surprisingly quick return, as we speak, he's still not fit and still only back in initial training. So it wouldn't have taken a leap of logic to suggest they were going to try and buy a central midfielder in this window, at least, if not on loan. They may still, but certainly he was indicating that in 4-4-2, which was a shape of perhaps, you know, it wasn't just Duncan's creation, it's something that Ancelotti, having favoured way back at the start of his career in Palmer, may well be sort of switching back onto it at Everton. Um, they might feel as if, for now, until the summer perhaps at least, they're well enough stocked in central midfield. But it was when we were looking at that really interesting breakdown that you just described, and he had the, the players in every position, we all of a sudden feel a bit light on the right wing, don't we? If you like, in four four two, We do, and I think he, he's
1: been quite forthright, <coughs> both in public and in private, about the excess of options on the left. Now (laughs) now Everton obviously in a a 4-4-2 could play Richarlison, Bernard, Iwobi, Tom Davis is also featured there at times under Carlo Ancelotti. So there's three or four options. The best young player in the academy at the moment, Anthony Gordon, who we believe is close to to kind of getting an opportunity. Well, well,
0: knocking on the door, as Brand said. Knocking on the
1: door, as he he said himself on on Tuesday night. He is also better from the left, cutting inside on his (laughs) right foot. Look across to the other flank and you've got Theo Walcott who's had injury problems yeah, and Jibril Sidibe has played out of position there as well. So the depth chart, if you want to kind of phrase it that way, looks much healthier on the left than it does on the right. That's that's a priority. Brands himself outlined that as, as a key priority either in this window or the summer. Central midfield was something that, even when Marco Silva was at the club, Everton were discussing with a view to January, <laughs> Decore. wasn't it? Decore over the summer in Dombélé was another one they looked at. They'd kind of the the, the profile was box to box, athletic, dynamic. Both of those guys you could describe yes as yeah. as as, uh, as kind of fitting into that that particular style. They didn't get that player over the summer. I think they're still because of injuries. They, it, it, it's even more of a necessity now. Yeah. And, of course, we know that they see themselves as being one short at centre-back, but they've only got three senior centre-backs, not including Lewis Gibson. Mm. So there are obvious areas of concern, obvious areas of weakness. You might think that, for example, while everybody's been going on about a lack of a proven goal scorer, the fact that you've got Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Moise Keane in reserve, you could kind of muddle through, given that Everton only have the Premier League now to, to focus on until the end of the season. Yeah. Given that resources are going to be tight to an extent, Everton going to have to prioritise in this window and be very savvy with their business, and that's why I think right wing, centre midfield, as we've we've always said, and centre back, as we've always said, are the three priority positions. Yeah. So it he, he spoke didn't he? Brands of of potentially two or three coming in, and a similar number, maybe a few more going. So I, I don't think it's going to be kind of a it's not going to be a, a, a huge window, but it, it could well lay the foundations for, for better things over the summer mm. if, if Everton get the finances in order.
0: Definitely, and I think it was interesting that he he basically summarised his policy going forward and that he wants to be in a position where that's the standard for every uh, summer, at least. We know he doesn't like January at all. So two or three in and two or three out. Um, and when he, he started at the beginning of his presentation by saying, it was, I found that quite... Staggering that he's done 70 plus deals since he came. Don't forget, he only joined the club in in, in summer 2018, so that's what 18 months, 70 deals, and that's in total. Obviously, that's in and out, but that's an awful lot. And as he said, that's too many deals, too many. Well, it is, (laughs) it's upheaval, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what it is. It's upheaval, it's indicative of the amount of change we've had in the managerial role, um, but it's not sustainable. And so it has to settle down, and let's hope that we do get to a point where two or three quality additions and two or three players that are surplus to requirement for whatever reason are going off the books every summer. And um, I think that will put the football club in a better place.
1: It, it it should do. I mean, they've already made positive steps in that regard, haven't they? Yeah. And sending Jane Tosin out on loan to to Crystal Palace. Palace obviously weren't the only ones that were offered Tosin. There were a few other Premier League clubs. Yeah interested and, and offered his services as well. We know there was interest from Turkey. We know there was interest from Germany. But Tosin wanted to stay in, in the Premier League and has, has gone to Crystal Palace. And from what we understand, Everton have got a pretty good deal out of this. Tosin was on big wages.
0: 110 grand a week at least.
1: Over 100 grand a week at, at minimum. And Palace will pay those wages in full. There will be a loan fee provided the Palace don't get relegated, which, which they absolutely shouldn't at, at this moment in time. And there is a purchase option yeah. if Palace wanted as well. Slightly lower than the sum Everton paid for Tosin, which I think is probably about market value at this moment in time. So that's a step in the right direction. Brands also spoke about getting Umar Nias a new club, Cuco Martina. Um, must have been difficult for those guys to an extent. To hear yeah. that but that, again like we said the, the buzzword so far is being forthright and, and candid yeah. <laughs> so so that that's that's just a continuation of how Marcel Brands is. you're right about the upheaval they can't continue to do that amount of de- um that amount of deals, but I think it also shows how tough Marcel Brand's remit and job has been yeah, he yeah. came into a club in a not a particularly healthy situation with regards to squad and recruitment yeah. still loads of issues to work through. And players that are quite hard to shift looking at wages and valuations and stuff like that. Yeah. Given that they paid 14 million and New Maniassa's on a, a decent contract, who's gonna who's gonna come in? Which which club below Everton is gonna come in and swoop and, and pay those kind of sums? Same with some same with some of the others. Tosin has been a difficult one to shift and they've tried to move mm. them for I would say, to my knowledge, three consecutive <laughs> windows now finally done it so like we said a a step in the right direction a sign that brands is moving things on there is more work to be done though because Everton do need to make this more sustainable don't they
0: yeah absolutely they do they really do Um, in terms of making things more sustainable certainly palatable on the pitch going forward obviously we head to Olympic London Stadium on Saturday to face West Ham quite an intriguing one really it's with the potential whichever way it goes to be either uh, quite smugly satisfying or quite sickening, it's David Moyes' West Ham, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it, it <laughs> and is. obviously, this is a manager who, as we reported, was pretty much in the mix of becoming back to Everton before they uh, they managed to pull off the coup of the uh, I was going to say of, of the year, certainly longer than that. Really, in terms of Everton getting hold of Carlo Ancelotti, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It is, and
1: for a variety of reasons. It, it feels like the, the fortunes of Ancelotti and Moyes have almost been interlinked for as long as I can remember. So Carlo Ancelotti was sacked as Chelsea manager, <laughs> obviously at Goodison, after a defeat to David Moyes as Everton. But yeah, he was. Most of our listeners will remember it. A 1-0 victory secured by the most unbelievable Jermaine Beckford goal, where he runs halfway down the pitch right. to, to, I think it was Chip, was it? check in the Chelsea. goal. Yeah, I think goal. it was Czech, Potentially yeah. If, if my memory serves, it was an incredible goal, wasn't it? It was. It was one of the best goals I've seen mm. at Goodison, along with Wayne Rooney's. But uh, that's a that's a tangent, isn't it? The, the Wayne Rooney won against against West Ham. Um,
0: I thought you were going to say Wayne Rooney <laughs> against Arsenal, but yet West Ham won as well. But good good Lord, that was mm. an amazing strike wasn't it? Was it? it?
1: A, a lot of a lot of really good goals throughout yeah. the year. So just going back to that theme, obviously Ancelotti sacked after a defeat to Moises Everton. Yeah. Ancelotti gets the job after David Moyes was banging the frame. I don't think it's too outlandish of me to say that had Ancelotti not come available, David Moyes would have been in with a very, very, very good chance of being the Everton manager at this moment yeah, in it's time. Yeah, not,
0: it's not outlandish to say at all. We,
1: we've both heard noises to that um, to that extent, haven't we? So the, the, the fortunes have been interlinked. They've, they've both kind of taken over uh, Premier League clubs, at this point in the season, at this juncture in the season, both looking to revive their fortunes, and now they meet again yeah. at the London Stadium. I've got painful memories of David Moyes in the London Stadium because, of course, he he beat Allardyce as Everton, didn't he? Was it three one? He
0: did. Yeah.
1: Final game of the final game of the year, swelter, swelteringly hot. Jordan Pickford let a, a shot through his arms from Marco Arnautovic. I think that's right. Who who scored a double? So it was th- that was a kind of a day to forget. Um, obviously, looking at this with blue-tinted specs on, yeah. we don't want a repeat of that, do we? Absolutely I not. I mean, you, you would hope not. Ancelotti's a different kettle of fish entirely to, to, to Allardyce, isn't he? Everton look like they're in better fettle at the moment with the new system and Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin. So there's lots of intrigue around this game. Some positive news on the injury from with Everton. With regards to Gomez and Bamin re- resuming light training, yeah, but also positive news with regards to West Ham because I think they're they're going to be missing Fabianski and Felipe Anderson, who I'd argue are their two best players this F- season.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree.
1: So um, everything set up here for Everton to to go there in a positive frame of mind after the victory over the victory over Brighton. Everton, <laughs> Greg's just showing me, actually, off <laughs> on his phone. He's, he just looked up the uh, the BBC Sport page from that <laughs> that defeat, which is a report from him. Actually, West Ham 3, Everton 1. Everton's goal scorer was Ass and Lanzini scored 2 for West Ham, along with a goal for Arnautovic. So I had to
0: show you that just because of...
1: Painful memories.
0: <laughs> well, you say memories. Now, that's obviously my byline there. I had a raise that came from my, my brain, uh, you know, did quite a lot of match reports when I was at, B, at the BBC and this always had a special interest when it was Everton <laughs> and it was so poor that I think I just, men in black style, uh, just wiped that out of my, my memory bank, so I'm semi-glad slash disappointed that you've brought it back in. Well, you're you're going on Saturday as well
1: Yeah, and we'll be doing not a report as such some kind of um, yeah. match piece from the game so hopefully we don't have to erase your memory for a, I know. For a second <laughs> well, exa- hopefully I'm not a bad luck omen
0: in, in East London well it's not East London anymore is it? but it's in, uh, in the capital when Everton play West Ham I'd like to hope not yeah I think you're right there with Felipe Anderson and Fabianski they've been really key players haven't they for West Ham and on the positive side although we won't have Gomez of course or Gabamon back uh, in the very very short term just the fact that Gomez is back training, and not, not in full contact, uh, match training, but doing stuff at Finch Farm on the pitch is remarkable, isn't it? No, it's it only a November. That, yeah, we thought, you know, his season was over. There was even initial talk. Granted, in, in hindsight, it might feel like a hyperbole, but if you were there that night, as, as we were, it doesn't. When you were thinking his career was in jeopardy, it was that bad. And now we're, we're thinking he could be back in the team before the end of the season. I remember having a conversation
1: about this. I think it was on a podcast as well with, with you around the time of the Gomez injury. Um, we both said it was one of those injuries that looked worse than it was. Yeah. And what I mean by that was, I'm, I'm by no means downplaying how difficult <laughs> it is to come back from this. But everyone saw it as being this horrific thing yeah. that he would potentially never recover from. Yeah. Now, when we put that to people at the club and when we put that to medical professionals, they all... Pooh-poohed that didn't they i said oh no yeah. that's that's not gonna happen at all and i remember writing in our um in our piece we did on gomez's re- rehabilitation that the there the were positive noises that he would play again this this season all things being considered yeah. so that's come to pass hasn't it you would you would assume it's going to come to pass well, hopefully yeah hopefully in, in any case it's a huge boost i think you described them as everton's best Midfielder, certainly best central midfielder, yeah. and that's something that I would agree with. I think they've missed his poise, elegance, class, ability to pick a pass, but also to put his head up and break through the lines. Yeah, when, that's exactly when with the ball. Yeah. And I, I think certainly looking back to the 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 ills of Anfield, the game where Everton lost against um, a, a patchwork shadow Liverpool side. That was one of the things that was most stark for me there, that Everton just looked devoid of any kind of inspiration or dynamism in the central and midfield. It's almost why, kind of looking back on the Brighton game, I I feel as though we've learned lessons from from this Everton squad and this Everton team over the past two to three weeks. Big time, yeah. And even though there's still a way for Gomez and Gabarin to go before they get back to full fitness... We do seem further on, don't we? we like it, it's fixed now. Ancelotti and Brands have both said four-four-two is fixed. It's Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin up front. That's a good partnership. It's young, vibrant. They're both into double figures already. In midfield, the sigurdsson schneidlin axis didn't really work. So Tom Davis came in against Brighton and was far from perfect, but I thought he drove Everton forward at times and provided a bit more energy. Yeah, in, I would in agree that with part that. Of, yeah. Part of the pitch. On the left, Bernard comes back in. And Bernard, for me, was Everton's second best player. After Richarlison, he was really, really good. Totally agree. Some yeah. lovely bits of skill, particularly in the second half. You were at the game covering it, obviously. But I was three rows from the front in the in the lower Gladys. Yeah. Basically in line with Bernard when he, with this wonderful bit of skill um, and agility, kept the ball in as it looked like it was going out of play, yeah. manoeuvred around the defender right. and then fashioned a brilliant chance for yeah.
0: Calvert-Lewin. It's the way he took it around the defender as well, isn't it? It was
1: absolutely awesome. And it's, it's days like that. You, I love being in the press box, but it's days like that where you just think, I was I was so close to that, almost within touching distance. Yeah. And you can see everything. It, it it almost speeds up and you can see everything yeah. and you can see how, how how amazingly skillful it was. For me, he has to play because he works so well in tandem with, with Luca Dean. He's one of Everton's best creators. I like him when he comes in off the left and kind of becomes a second playmaker in, in the centre of the park. And he does some good work off the ball as well. So Davis is a lesson we've learned 4 4 2. Bernard as well. Mason Holgate has been a revelation, mm. hasn't he? Over yeah, he the, has. the past couple of months, a, a fixture under Carlo Ancelotti. Wherever he has played as well and, and did well under Ferguson in central midfield. We are finding out more about this Everton side, and I think that's a positive thing. Even if Gomez and Aubameyang are going to take a little bit more time,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. Uh, you know, Bernard certainly played his way into you would hope the starting eleven uh, against West Ham. The only thing with him is I want to see him doing it a modicum of consistency now. Yeah. And you could argue that his injuries haven't helped him, but he's had enough time to adapt to the Premier League. So I want to see him do that for stringer games. But it's funny what you' were saying about you know being in the low Gladys and you know watching it um, from a fan fan's eye perspective, if you like. I was speaking to another colleague of ours who usually sits in the press box was right down pitch level against uh, against Brighton, and he was saying that the big difference he noticed is sometimes from the press box, which if you have not ever spotted it, it goes since it's about halfway up the main stand, so it's not like top balcony level where you're watching a a game of like football manager almost <laughs> like, well, yeah sub. <laughs> nevertheless sometimes it can almost feel like a bit more of a stately pace and and the game's a bit slower that when you're right pitch level you really see how fast that game is how little time players have and how much the ball zips about
1: Yeah, it's amazing really to (laughs) see and it's almost why I I enjoy being in different parts of the ground at different times because you almost pick up on different things depending depending on where you are from that vantage point in the lower Gladys, you could you could see perfectly how Bernard was able to manoeuvre his body, keep the ball in play, and produce that piece of skill and ingenuity from the top balcony or from the top of the um the well, the upper bullens. Things are different. You can see kind of tactical settings a little bit better and and everything else. So it's fascinating to get that perspective, and um, I I do think we've learned significant things about the Everton side at the moment. Where they're strong. Yeah. where they're weak, where they need more depth. And also, like we like we started off by saying, just how well Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are developing as well, because they're both, we're only just over halfway through the season, and yet both are into double figures. It wasn't so long ago that we were told that Calvert-Lewin wouldn't be a 15-goal-a-season, 15, 20-goal-a-season yeah. man, but he's on course for that this year. Richarlison, who has always been very gifted and has always won games for Everton, He's playing in a variety of different roles, and as your piece suggested after the Brighton game, he's also playing a key role defensively. He's winning the most duels. He's a real threat in the air now, which is something in, in his game that's come on mm. exceedingly well over the, the last few the last few months. So it, it it's progressing, maybe not as quickly as we would like, but I, I do think there's <coughs> that there's there's kind of quiet cause for optimism here if they can just do a, f- a bit of business and get a few players in in core positions
0: then you would expect them to, to push on up the table. Definitely. I think Richarlison is. Everton's currently on form, not the only one, but the the elite player who could, mm. you know, not to put a negative slant on it, but actually could be um, one that clubs in the Champions League could, could be looking at going forward. Um, so, yeah, look, let's hope that the positives, and uh, the positive lessons continue after Saturday afternoon. Um, we'll be back next week. Again, hopefully discussing a win and uh, maybe even seeing what's uh, what's cooking as we get into the middle of January really and uh, at a point where if Everton are going to be doing some business, maybe we'll start to hear more of it as the uh, days go on. For ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the Athletic and listen through the app and you can get a 40% discount now by using the code EVERTONPOD. Pad, thanks for your time as ever. No worries, been been enjoyable sorry about my my coughing fit there
1: no, that, as long as you're alright now uh, I think we need an update on on Twitter later today to subscribers. once they've listened to the podcast they'll, they'll want to know how you are so just kind of check in just make sure you're alright and, and yeah. put, our, put our minds at ease
0: Rem- remarkable <laughs> sanguine there f- from from the boiling, just carried on <laughs> utter pro didn't worry about me coughing up a lung uh, on that store in the corner but uh, that's the sort of professionalism you get on the athletic right thanks again for listening and we'll be back next week Thank you.